Thank God for Disney movies and old people. Well, if you weren't with us a couple of weeks ago, we started a series, maybe you saw the posters, uh, called Resident Aliens. And in it, we're, we're looking in the book of, or the letter of 1 Peter that Peter writes. And so you can go and flip there in, in your Bible or on your phone. And in that first week, we talked about, or asked you this question. When you think of, of the word Christian, or you think of Christians, what words pop into your mind? What comes to mind? And maybe if you weren't with us that week, maybe you want to jot some words down. But I, I think Peter identifies some words for us that maybe we should self-identify with if you're a, a Christian or Christ follower. Remember the first week we said that he said that we were like aliens or strangers, foreigners living in this world, which matches up with those verses that say stuff like this. Your citizenship is not of, of this country or this world, but of another world. Our citizenship is in heaven if you are a Christ follower. And what Peter is talking about is, is this group of people called Christians, especially in the first century, but that expands to us today, that we are called to be different in this world. We're called to follow him. And if I could sum up the first week, it would be this, that we are called to remember who we are and whose we are in Christ. Who we are and whose we are in Christ. And who he's talking to is people that are scattered, people that are being persecuted in the world. And, and even back then, the first century, maybe you've seen this decal on cars of a fish. Have you ever seen that? It was more popular in the 80s, and then it got a little crazy with other things on the back of cars. But this fish is, basically, it's a symbol in the first century that because of the persecution that was around, that that, that would be a symbol of a meeting place for people, the ichthus, that it actually stands for something as well. It, it stands for this Greek phrase, and that means Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. And so people would, would, would put this in different places, Christians in the world. And sometimes, just to identify with other Christians, uh, legend has it that they would just draw half of the fish. And then if you were also a, a, an alien, a foreigner, Christian in the world, that you would, you would draw the other half of the fish to begin to identify, oh, we're on, we're on the same team. We're on the, the same group. And so we're, we're digging a little further, and 1 Peter 3 is where we're at today. And sometimes uh, I, have a little bit of a, uh, I have a little bit of a learning disability in LD that I found out, and one of the, the techniques that I use sometimes when I look at Scripture is I actually look at it a little backwards. I start from the inverse, and then I go backwards. So that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to start at the end verse that we're going to talk about. It's 1 Peter 3.15, and it says this. But in your hearts, revere, which basically means to really respect, to worship, to recognize Christ as Lord. He is king. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now I want to read that last sentence one more time, and I want you to think, what comes to mind? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, when you see that, what are the immediate thoughts that jump into your minds? What, what comes to mind when you see this? Do you think, that kind of makes me nervous? I'm going to have to give like, some kind of answers about my faith, or I'm going to talk about my faith. Uh, does it make you feel like, well, prepared? Does that kind of feel like a pop quiz? I've got to be ready for this quiz. They're going to ask me questions. That somebody's going to ask me about where the dinosaurs came from, or is Revelation, the book of Revelation, is that supposed to be literal? Is that figurative? Um, you know, 
these things that pop in our mind. I honestly think what he's saying here is the question of, well, why do you have hope? Why do you have this, this word called hope in your life? Or maybe we just put it this way. Why are you so, why are you so different? You act differently. Why are you so different? Now, when you have this word hope, I don't know what definition comes to mind, but this is the one I kind of put on paper this week. A favorable and confident expectation. The happy anticipation or ex- the happy anticipation of good. The, a favorable and confident expectation. This anticip- anticipation of something good. It's this belief that the way things are are not the way they have to be forever. It's this hope and belief in the future. And and, and maybe you look at that verse and you think, well, I got to be honest. I don't really feel like I have a lot of hope these days. Just looking at my situation or the season of life or just look at the news. I mean, it just feels like there's not a lot of reason to have hope. I mean, there's ISIS out there, this, this season that we're in as a, as a nation, this division that we sense all around. There's just not a, just don't really feel like that I have hope right now. But reality is that we all hope for things, right? Maybe it's not the right things, but sometimes we hope for things all the time. I hope that I get the job. I hope that, that I get the house. I hope that I get the girl. I hope that fill in the blank that's, that's there. I, I hope that the Texans don't get slaughtered on national TV again like they have the last several times they've played on national TV. I hope that we can maybe one day get a quarterback. I hope that... The exercise machine that I purchased this Christmas will be better than the exercise machine that I purchased last Christmas. I hope it works. I hope that I don't pull a hamstring at the turkey bowl today. I hope that I make it through Thanksgiving with my in-laws. We talked about that earlier. There's a lot of things we, we hope. I hope the investments I put in financially, I hope that they pay off this year. I used to love to go to the mailbox when I was a kid because there was this anticipation of just occasionally there would be something in the mail for me. And my dad, for some reason, I don't know if you remember this, was really into Publishers Clearinghouse, okay? And so I thought, well, maybe they'll just, like, bring a truck and just, you know, load the mailbox up with with money one day. Uh, So there was this hope of going to the mailbox. And so we have hope in different things, but the question is, you know, what are we really hoping for? And the one way maybe we can decide that or figure that out is what disappoints us. What disappoints you? And maybe that's the answer of what you have been putting your hope in. Now, we got rid of cable a couple of years ago, which is great. We've learned how to use apps on our TV. But some of you know this. If you have an app on your TV, like a Roku or something, they actually play the same commercials over and over and over and over and over again, okay? And so you're just like, ah! There's a commercial that they just started a couple weeks ago. It's the Amazon, I think it's Fire, and this talking to Alexa all the time. Alexa, this. Alexa, that. Maybe you've seen those commercials. There's one that kind of caught my attention, though, and I I thought that you, you might like it. Alexa, play Broken Wings. Okay. You're ridiculous. Sarah, come on. No. 
Lux and turnover sprinklers. Okay. Maybe that's foreshadowing for me. I need to take note of that. But disappointment sometimes reveals what we've put our, our hope into. Have you ever found yourself saying, maybe I put a little too much, maybe I invested a little too much in this, I don't know, team, and then you're so disappointed that when it doesn't work out, I'm not looking at any A&M fans. I'm just saying, or, or maybe like a TV show, and you're like, why am I so upset about this? This is not... He picked her instead of her. I don't know why, but she, why am I so upset? That would not be me. Uh, but, but maybe you put some, a lot of hope in things that really are, are not as important. Sometimes we put hope in things that are, are very important, and they disappoint us. Because disappointment, as we know, it, it's a part of life. There are kids that are, are, are thinking, if I could just get this for Christmas, and they've got a list already that's out there. If I just had this list, if I had this phone, if I had this game system, then things are going, they're going to be great. Well, they've totally forgot about that list from last year, haven't they already? Because as we found out, even if it's a car or a house, whatever it is, it still doesn't live up to the hype. It doesn't last. It doesn't last. And we put our, our, our hope into different things and they disappoint us because they eventually will. I'm going to disappoint you. People disappoint us, don't they? Sometimes jobs and bosses certainly disappoint us. And situations and events in life, they're going to disappoint us. I found as well that that's what sin does as well. When we think if, 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 if I just, even though we know it's wrong, if I do this or if I say this, I, I know it's wrong, but I, I think it might satisfy something in my life. It might provide a, a high or a feeling or, or meet a desire in my heart. And, 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 if, and they come in different forms like greed and lust and gossip. If I just say this, man, oh, revenge, hatred, binge drinking. If I, if I just want to forget the disappointments in my life. But what we find at the end of that is the same thing. You just feel more disappointed. And you feel more empty. And you feel more hurt. And it's not the answer to any of that. It's not the answer or the right form of hope. Martin Luther King Jr. said this once. We must accept finite disappointment. It's, it's a part of life. But never lose infinite hope. Never lose infinite hope. What is your ultimate and infinite hope? Now, People in the Bible, they experience, I love them because they're very real. Uh, if you look through scripture, you just, you just tell and you see the whole picture that people are real in the Bible. They experience disappointment. Jesus himself experienced disappointment. There are others as well like Paul and Barnabas. They're, on this, they're doing ministry out in the world. And they went and helped this woman that was possessed by a, a demon and, and helped in, to heal her and her owners... During that time, they got extremely upset and, and caused a, a, a ruckus and threw Paul and Silas into prison. Not only did they throw them into prison, they stripped them and they beat them, threw them into prison. And if I was in that situation, maybe I would have thought, what in the world? I did a good thing and I'm getting repaid this way? Can you imagine just the feeling of sulking that we would have in that moment? Disappointment? But what was their response? What was their response? They were singing. They were singing in jail. Now, 
what song is on your mind? What song gets into your mind? Maybe there's a song that just gets stuck in there sometimes. Have you ever had that before? Uh, I had a terrible song stuck in my mind a couple of weeks ago. My mama don't like you, and she likes everyone. I'm not going to sing it. You know what I'm talking about? Have you had that song stuck in your mind? That's Justin Bieber, by the way, just for the rest of you, okay? I don't know why it got that in there, but it wouldn't get out. And it was terrible, and I'm embarrassed, but I just told you. Um, Sometimes songs get stuck in your, your mind. I wonder, when they were singing in prison, what were they singing? I would love to know that. I w- because they were singing out loud and others were hearing it. Was it, I mean, it says a hymn, but we know hymns were, you know, 16, 1700s. So this is first century, okay? We don't really know what song to God that was, you know? Can you imagine? What songs do you sing in these moments of life? There's been, some, there's been a song that's been on my mind, and I just... I don't know if it's the season we're in or what it is. Garen came into a room I was in a couple of, uh, it's probably about five or six weeks ago, and he shared this song with me that, that got in there, and I just, I can't get out. And we sang it a couple times, and, and these are the words that have been on my mind during this season. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You're, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. I love this part. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. That's good stuff. And he goes on, what a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. And just declaring Christ is Lord. He is Lord. It doesn't matter who is elected. It doesn't matter who governs because king, he is the king of kings and the lord of lords in our lives. There was a, a difficult season that I went through a few years back and just found myself just kind of in a dark place. Just in a dark place and God put this song in my mind. It's called the Lord our God. The Lord our God, he is ever faithful, never changing through the ages. From this darkness, You will lead us, and forever we will say, you're the Lord our God. Promise maker, promise keeper. You finish what you begin. Our provision through the desert. You see it through to the end. You see it through to the end. I believe, and it goes into the course again, in the silence, in the waiting, still we can know that you are good. All your plans are for your glory. Yes, we can know that you are good. Yes, we can know that you are good. These songs, they, they, they take us to a place where we, they, we begin to, to experience the presence of, of God in our lives. David was a songwriter. He, in the book of Psalms, it's in the middle of your Bible. It's, it's tons of songs that David wrote. He was the author of a lot of those things. And what I love about David on his qualities is that he liked to talk to himself out loud, okay? Now, some of you maybe would admit that you talk to yourself sometimes, uh, maybe not. You just shake your head if you're with me. You just maybe you sing to yourself in the car, but maybe you just talk to yourself. I would just like to declare: it doesn't matter if you have one of those little things in your ear, okay, or if you have one of those really cool necklaces that I've seen. That some of you have that you can, you know, they're phones, the Bluetooth things. If you go into the grocery store and you start talking to yourself like, "What kind of ice cream should we get?" If I answer you, I'm not the crazy one, okay? All right? 
Have you seen people that will, you know, there's just conversation. There's just conversation. And then when you respond, they're like, and I just want to go, But David, he talked to himself. Some of you guys talked to yourself. In, 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 in some of his psalms, he's like, man, I'm disappointed. I'm even in despair. God, where are you? Have you ever felt that before? And at the end of each of those, of those psalms, he comes back to who God is and what it, God has done for him. This is just a quick summary. Psalms 43.5 says this, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. So he goes from this place of disappointment into this place of rejoicing and recognizing God's presence. Now, John Ortberg uh, wrote a book, and I think it's a great book, God is Closer Than You Think. Maybe it's a good read for you for Thanksgiving. Uh, but what he talks about is how we have tons of continual thoughts. I'll try to pull this over here so you can see a little better. And some say that we have like 14,000 distinct thoughts in the day. I, and there's other people that say different numbers. But essentially what he's, the point he's trying to make is throughout the day, you have kind of these thought beads. And sometimes our thoughts jump from one thing to another like, man, those look like Krispy Kreme donuts. I'd like a Krispy Kreme donut. Krispy Kreme donuts are a lot better than Shipley's. Uh, maybe that's the way... That's the one time you respond all day long. <laughs> I'm not going to sing that song. I'm not going to amen. Boom! <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all right, so we have distinct thoughts during the day. Well, you know, disappointment comes. And a thought of disappointment comes. Am I going to write at it? There we go, disappoint. And it's really easy, easy to live in that disappointment in our thoughts. And then sometimes we even take it to the next level. If we kind of just live there over time, this disappointment becomes despair. Okay? It becomes despair. And what David does and others do is this. He, he takes this moment of disappointment and then he jumps back. Because what Ortberg says is this. Your thoughts have potential, spiritual potential, to bring you closer or to bring you further away from God. And can we be honest? There are some moments where we have disappointment and we just need to go get some, a whole bunch of bluebell ice cream and enjoy that for a second. He's not saying don't, don't be disappointed. Sometimes don't, we need to grieve even. But don't live in this place of despair. Don't live in this place of despair. Allow the presence of God to take you more and you take your thoughts into the presence of God. That's what he's trying to communicate. And that's what I think David is trying to say in Psalms there. I, have, I am disappointed, but I'm not going to live in that disappointment. I am going to live putting my hope, because we are hopers. We are people that are called to believe that things right now are not the, thing, the way that they're going to stay forever. But we believe in something greater, a place that is greater, but not just the place that this can change here and now. And so we, we take our thoughts to another place there. Now, and, and, and I even like what Paul says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 10. He says this, take your thoughts captive. Take control of your thoughts. There are some people that just believe, well, I just, I'm just 
live out of control. You can take control of your thoughts. And I think one of the greatest ways we do that is what we think about. There's something that we teach our kids. Uh, I think that most people, 99% of people teach their kids that the things that they put into their, their heart and their mind, it makes a difference. That's why it's really important that we, as parents, we, we watch out what our kids watch, what they listen to. That's the reason my mama took away, uh, there it goes again, I just thought that song again, my mama don't like you, uh, and she <laughs> likes everyone. My mama took away Tone Loke, a uh, wild thing, uh, so, uh, single, uh, if you don't know what that is, you didn't grow up in the 80s, or uh, Color Me Bad CD, and I cannot tell you the title of that in church. Uh, she took those things away when she found them in my room. Why? Because the things that I put in my mind, they make a difference. The things that I, I, my eyes see, they make a difference. The people that I hang out with, they make a difference as a kid, don't they? The friends, you pray about those things for your kids. I've heard some of you pray that, that, that some of your kids will, will break up with other kids, okay? All right? Because you know the influence that certain people have. We know that for kids, but, but we don't believe that for ourselves, do we? Because we just bring in things in our minds, in our eyes, in our hearts. And we expect that things to be different and for us to, to think differently. If you don't believe that, watch Shark Week, the uh, binge watching of Shark Week, the show, and then go swim in the ocean, okay? The things that you consume make a difference in your thoughts, Okay? Watch Breaking Bad and try to have a positive attitude on life, okay? All right? It'll make a difference. The things you listen to, the things that you consume in in your life. And I believe that even in the the difficult situations of life, even the hardest places of life, that we can have control of of, of those thoughts. Um, There's a, if if we go backwards in, in 1 Peter, it says this, who's going to harm you? If you are eager to do good, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Even in the moments that we suffer in life for doing, for doing good, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Victor Frankl uh, was someone that lived in World War II, the time uh, when Nazi Germany uh, came in and, and did horrible things. And uh, in that time, uh, Victor had his family taken away, and they were eventually killed, and had his possessions taken away, and he found himself in a concentration camp. But during that time, he, as he was reflecting, uh, he would eventually write a book called Man Searching for Meaning. And this is what he said, no matter what my captors might take away from me, they cannot take away from me the ultimate freedom to choose my own attitude, the posture, I love that word the posture of my heart, the posture of my heart. And what fear does in our lives, when we allow fear to grip our thoughts and our mind and our life, is it keeps us from what God wants us to be. It keeps us from hope. It, it keeps us from loving well. It keeps us from being generous to others with our time and our resources because we are constantly afraid. Someone that was, lived a lot of fear was the guy who's writing this letter, Peter. Remember Peter. He's the guy that was so afraid of what could happen to him that he denied Christ, even though he knew it was going to come, it was going to happen. That he was so afraid of the things that were around him that through storms and, and through waves that he, he sank in, in, in a moment where he had a chance to, to, to walk on water. He understood fear, and I bet he understood disappointment in a real way when he was in an upper room with disciples post-cross 
And they were thinking, we had hoped that, that Jesus would be the one. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. But what happened? Jesus Christ was risen from the grave. Jesus Christ came, not only died, but he came back to life again because resurrection changes everything. It changed everything for Peter and for the disciples. I love what Paul wrote, and I think Peter could, resu- could really resonate with this. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials and disappointment, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This is a great line. Underline it in your Bible if you do that. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. When you put your hope, your infinite, ultimate hope in Christ, it will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the spirit to fill our hearts with love. When we were utterly helpless, when you were far away from Christ, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us who are sinners. If we practice the presence, if we celebrate the presence of God in our lives and we put our hope in him, our posture, our thoughts will change. They'll change. Now, if our posture changes, I'm convinced that people will notice a difference in us. They'll see something different inside of us when we practice this presence of God. But, but I don't think Peter just, just rests what he's saying here on, on that posture changing. It's also he gives us some things to do as well. So if you back up to verse 8, we're going to read some things and then kind of rapid fire here. Finally, all of you, it's, these are like direct, these are direct, direct instructions to us. Finally, of all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing, because to this you are called, so you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace. And the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are, are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer, for the, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So I was thinking about these things. Uh, these are direct things that will lead people to ask you the question. That question we talked about, what is your hope in? And so I began to think about each one of those things. I wrote them down. I don't know if you do this. This is a practice sometimes I have. I'll just get, Peter's telling us very specific things to do here. And there's 10 of them. And so I kind of wrote them down, and these are just kind of my thoughts and notes on them. The first thing was this, be like-minded. And what he's talking about is, is with other Christians. Because I was kind of reflecting on that. Just a confession, I think, uh, I think God has been really grieved during this season of the church universal. Grieved because there hasn't been a harmonious like-mindedness amongst Christ's followers. There has been so much division amongst us strangers and aliens in this world that we've started to look like everyone else in the process. There's something I did a couple of weeks back because God's really stirring something inside of me as a church that this next year that we are going to be a church that is so focused on seeing other people come to know Christ. I did this thing on, on Nazarene.org. They have this uh, tool where you can pinpoint your church, and then within five miles of the church, or within three, or within whatever, how many people live within 
certain distance of, of the place. The number that I came up with, five miles within our church, 336,797 people live within five miles of this location. Let that soak into your mind, within five miles. They wouldn't even let me go out to eight miles where, I, where some of us live, okay? Because the number was too great. The, the, my guesstimate, what I'm saying, 600,000 live within that circle place. Folks, as a church, universal, we don't need to be focusing on the things that divide us, but on the things that unite us. And that's that people need the Lord. That people need to be, have their lives transformed by the love of Christ. That Christ died for them. And, and, and he has a hope for their life. As a, as a church, as people that are Christians, if we were united around that, what would that look like? Instead of just fighting over or things that, that maybe are not as important. The other next thing was this, is be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. As I was thinking about this, a young lady uh, came to church. And uh, because of our location on the Beltway, people pop in all the time. Some people asking for, for money or for, for rent or different, different things. And... Oftentimes, there's just kind of a, a routine with that, and you know that eventually they're asking, people are asking for something to do with money, and a lot of times, they just want money, and so seeing that a lot, there, I just kind of feel like sometimes there's a routine with that, and there, one day, I heard a knock on this back door, and a young lady was there, and she asked for the bathroom. She just wanted to use the restroom. I was like, well, absolutely, you can use the restroom, uh, and went back to doing my thing, and I thought, well, and this is the mental thought that I had. Well, I'm glad that kind of didn't interrupt what I was doing, okay? And then she finds herself, and, and she passes the room, and, and she, and she kind of, I guess, kind of way back at her, and, and she just stops. And she makes her way into the room down here, as I'm in there. She said, hey, hey, can I talk to you for a few minutes? I said, sure. And I, I'm just thinking in my mind, here, here it comes. Here comes the, the, the speech. And she said, I don't know why I'm here. My car just literally pulled itself into this, this church. I don't know why I'm here. Um, and then she starts to tell me her story. She said, you know, I have, I have two kids, and I have one on the way. And, um, you know, I just don't know what the future holds. Um, and I'm distant from my family, and they live here. Because I was the, I just, what about your family? Where are they? Um, and she said, well, we're just we're kind of divided right now. Just, there's just kind of wedge that's there. And I, I just lost my job, and, and she's just pouring her heart out to me. And I, I, I said, well, I, I just wanted to do something then. I just said, well, let me take you to the grocery store. She gets you some food. Maybe that'll help. I, I actually, I don't need any food. I have food. Well, well, can I go and take your car to the gas station? And I'd like to fill up, you know, fill up, get some gas. That would, would help. She said, I really don't need gas. My, my, my car's full. I said, can you just pray with me? Can you just pray with me? Be sympathetic. Put yourself in people's shoes. See life from their perspective. That leads us to other places. Love one another. Love like people are family. Be compassionate, he tells us. I love this word here. It's this word that Jesus uses. He says when he was compassionate for people, it actually, the Greek tells us that word means he hurt in his entrails. In his innards, I guess that's why I liked it so much when I saw it, he had pain for people that he put themselves in those positions. Be humble. The thing that I wrote down is this. Matt, you're not always right. Uh, you think you're right 99% of the time, but you're not. 
so shut up sometimes. Do what you teach your son to do. Boy, you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen twice as much as you speak. And you will be a blessing to others. And you will learn more if you listen more. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. The thing that jumps into my mind, I have to tell you, is a movie. Uh, It's the last great romantic comedy that came out. Uh, You've got mail. uh, And I don't have time to explain it to you, but it's basically Tom Hanks and uh, Meg Ryan. And uh, Meg Ryan wants to zing someone because she can never say the thing that she wants to say, like the mean thing to somebody when they say something to her. She wants to zing someone, but finally she has a moment where she actually does that. All right. What she finds out when she actually zings someone is what Tom Hanks told her email earlier in the movie. He said this, I must warn you, when you have the pleasure of saying the thing you mean to say, the moment you mean to say it, remorse inevitably follows. Have you ever just wanted to just give somebody the peace of your mind? And man, that'll, that'll feel great. Remorse immediately follows. He says, he says, don't repay evil with in, evil or insult with insult. And the irony of that clip is she's actually talking about the same person, if you know the movie. Repay evil with a blessing. Repay evil with a blessing. Keep, keep just going down the list. Keep their tongue from keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. You have a powerful weapon. You're almost a superhero with the, the tool that you have, your tongue, because it can build people up or tear people down. Turn from evil and do good. Just wrote down the word, search me and know me, O God. There's not an evil way in me. Seek peace and pursue it. Can I tell you something? People don't sell newspapers with peaceful headlines. They don't get clicks on their website with with headlines of peace. War sells. Chaos sells. Don't allow yourselves to seek those places. But instead, seek peace. Seek peace in your relationships because that will give you a blessing and it will bring satisfaction. So what does he say in the middle of that? And and it's a call. It says this, as the hopeful people of God, we're called to bless one another. And this is what he's saying. It's your job. As, As Christians, our job is to bless other people. That's your job, to bless other people. Now, we're wrapping up here. Don't worry. Uh, there's something that's happened to me this season. Um, it's kind of weird. There's two kinds of people in the world, I think. There are people that like celebrate Christmas all year round, uh, okay? You just keep your lights on in your house, maybe your tree up all year round. You put your tree up before Thanksgiving, okay? And there are, and there's, you're singing Christmas music like in July, um, and you like it. And then there, and those are the, like the gin show alters of the world, okay? If that's you, you can raise your hand. It's, you're, it's a safe place here. Garrett was the only one. Wow, not that safe apparently. Um, all right. How many already have your Christmas tree up? It's okay. That's great. That's awesome. How many are putting up in the next couple of days? <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> all right. Well, I fit in the category of those who like Christmas during December, okay? 
when I, after Thanksgiving stuff, and, and I like, really I like Christmas music for like two weeks, uh, but we'll just throw it in for all of December. And when people like take over radio stations, you have Christmas music like for the whole month, I'm like, what are you people doing, okay? There's other music out there, okay? But something's been happening inside of me this last week. I don't know what it is. Jen, Pastor Jen has been playing Christmas music all this week, and it's doing something to me, okay? I don't know what it is. I, I think it's because maybe during this season, maybe of my life and our lives and the world's lives, that we need a little Christmas, a little early this year. Have you seen that? Have you noticed that? Just take a look around the neighborhoods. People are already decorating early. I think it's kind of unintentional that people have started to do that because they're searching for hope in their life. The story of Christmas is about this waiting and hoping and, and, and Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come, but I have such good news for you. He has come. He already has come. It's like the train, if you're at the train stop, and you're like, well, when is the train coming? Is the train coming? No, no this is a different kind of thing. Joy to the Lord, the Lord is, isn't that a weird word there? The Lord is come, that means he has come, and he is going to come again. So we're sitting at the train stop, the train's passing us by. We're, it just keeps coming and coming and coming, because that's what Jesus has done. So we celebrate Christmas in this season, because Jesus has come. Now here's, I've got this, this whole passage just fits in well with where we're going in December. Here it is. We're doing this thing. It's actually a challenge. Uh, let me just show you a video of what the challenge looks like. Be Christmas challenge, 2016. Here's what it looks like. We are challenging you to be, not to just do Christmas, but to be Christmas for someone. Just like Peter's telling us, to be a blessing to someone else. So the challenge is this, that your family, you as an individual at your, your job or, or wherever you go, your circles of influence, your, your life group, maybe this is something you take on as a life group or even a family, you say, we're going to be a blessing for someone else. We're going to do something creative. We're going to do something different. We're going to, we want to leave it to the Holy Spirit. Here's some ideas. We're going to pay for a meal for someone. We're going to pay attention to the, the needs of others, and we're going to try to, a way to, to, to help meet those needs. We're going to pray for someone. We're going to send a card to someone. It can be little ways. It can be big ways. Maybe you want to, to, to do a video or, or, or take a picture as you're, you're fulfilling this challenge as a life group or a family. You're loving another family in need. Just snap a picture. Be Christmas HFC hashtag. We want to help encourage and inspire others to be a blessing to someone else. Because when we bless someone else, when we love others well, they're going to ask us a question. And you know what that question is? Why do you hope? Why, why do you have hope? And what hope is that things can be different, can be better. Not just in heaven, but right now. So, I encourage you during this season, before we even get to December, to practice the presence of God in your life. Can I tell you, I've been praying for you even this week. You're going to go to dinner tables this week with people you haven't seen in a while. You're going to gather with family. Are they going to notice hope in you? Or are they going to see people that just look like everybody 
else in the world. This week's a great week to practice the presence of God. Maybe you need to download some new habits in your life. Maybe you need to just disconnect from social media. Maybe you just need to be with others and be with the Lord. Can I pray with you? And then we're going to sing a Christmas song. Jesus, thank you for your church, your people. God, I thank you that we are hopers, not in things that rust and moth will destroy, but we have a hope in you. God, thank you so much for loving us so much. When we were far away from you, when we were just stuck in sin, hoping that that would be the answer, we found a greater hope, a more infinite, more better hope. That's in you, God. God, help us to remember that in days that that we are stuck in disappointment and despair. God, help us to redirect our thoughts. Help us to practice your presence, not just in this place, but in every place we go. May our cars be transformed into a place that is holy with your presence there. May our dinner tables this week, may our family gatherings, I pray that you would go with us, use us this week. Help us to be a blessing because you are our hope and you are our joy. We put our faith and our trust in you today and every day. God, thank you for these things in your name. And all God's people said, would you stand with us and sing?